That's a great start. Um, well, today's going to be exciting, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm amped up. I'm really actually fired up. So hope, buckle your seats. And I think that, um, and I'm sorry, I want to apologize right at the get-go. We're not doing Frisbees today, um, and this is your first time here. I won't even take the time to explain that. Come next week, we'll do some Frisbees. Uh, this summer, we've been doing a series called Summer Fun, and a teaching on family, life, and relationships. And it's overflowed from here into this city through these I Am Loved events. And they've kind of been uh, partners as you, we have learned every week how to deal with the relationships that we have in our lives. Whether they're a spouse, or whether they're a brother, whether they're a friend, whether they're a neighbor, whether they're somebody across the city that we may not have talked to or reached to before. Every relationship has been our focus. And so... Today I want to talk about communication. Now, this is the last uh, subject to our series. And next week as we kind of do a recap and a wrap up of what, where we've been, I feel like communication is a great place to end. Um, communication is this. It's defined as this. Information exchanged. Communication is information exchanged. And we've all... Like, we're consumed with communication, right? Whether it's via talking, via phone, via computer, via text message. I think text message has been uh, the wave of communication that is really, in the last you know, decade or so, has really consumed our lives. Um, how many of you love to text? How many of you do not love text? So many of you, Wow. Um, sometimes text can be great because it's quick. It's like, all right, here's what you need to know. It's, again, what is communication? It's information exchanged. Now, the problem with text messaging is that, yes, there is information exchanged, but sometimes not all the information that they need to know is exchanged in that information. And I don't know if you've been there, if this has been you. Sometimes the wrong information is exchanged. Or sometimes not like the full story is explained. For example, how many of you have ever been offended by a text message? How many of you have ever been offended by a text message? Are you guys with me? Is this thing on? All right, cool. Two hands. Thanks, Greg. Uh, how many of you have offended someone else by your text message? <laughs> They're both hands. We're all in that one. Like, it's hard, and it's so good. Like, technology is an amazing thing. And sometimes this can be used as a tool for the greatest good in our world. To encourage and give somebody hope and breathe life into them. To communicate, to exchange information. It's a powerful thing, but sometimes it can be miscommunicated. All right? Um, and that's why, and, and the greatest thing about text messages is that um, they created these things called emojis. All right? How many know what emojis are? The, they're the ridiculous little face things or, or picture cartoon things you get along with the text message. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. Wow, how'd that get there? And that kind of thing. But they use these to help communicate again. But sometimes they're, again, like miscommunication comes through these emojis. Whether, like, instead of saying LOL, they say, like, something was kind of funny and it deserved maybe a courtesy laugh. And all of a sudden, there's, like, the smiley face with tears coming out. And you're like, wait a minute, that wasn't, that wasn't that funny. And See, Darren just texted me, uh, thanks man, a smiley face, a thumbs up, 
a pound. Is that a prayer sign? <laughs> see, see, a pound, that can be miscommunicated that he wants to punch me in the face. We've all been in that spot. We've all been in that spot where literally like we've, we've either miscommunicated or something's been miscommunicated to us. Now, here's the definition of miscommunication. It's to communicate inadequately or unclear. I messed it up, sorry. Wait for it. To commu- there we go. To communicate mistakenly. Sorry, I messed it up. As soon as I have an order, I, I, I get all distracted. Mistakenly, unclearly, or inadequate, inadequately. To communicate... Let me start over. To miscommunicate is to communicate inadequately, mistakenly, or unclearly. How many of you have been in that spot? Sometimes we're not saying the wrong thing, but sometimes we're saying it with the wrong delivery. Sometimes it's our tone. Like, you know and I know that tone is everything. Um, How many married people in the room? We'll end with that, okay? Tone is everything. Body language is everything. How we stand, how we, we use our, our body and our hands and our eyes and our, our eyebrows and every part of our body communicates something. But sometimes it can be miscommunicated. It, it's, it's unclear. It's, it's, it's inadequate of what we're really trying to say. Um, I want to show you a video that really describes, check this out. Das hier ist mein Sektor. Das hier ist das wichtigste Gerät, das Küstenwächter. Das Gerät und das Gerät. Überlebensradar. Mayday, Mayday. Hello, can you hear us? Can you hear us? Can you... Over. We are sinking. We are sinking. Hello? This is the German Coast Guard. What are you thinking about? (laughs) Never gets old. Never, ever. (laughs) Never gets old. Sometimes we don't mean to miscommunicate, but we do. Now, our lives are communicating something. And this is where we're... (laughs) You want to watch it again? We don't have time. We got a lot of stuff to get to. Sometimes our lives... No, no, no. Every time... Every single one of your lives is communicating something. So my goal today, I'll just say it right out front. Maybe your life is miscommunicating something. Maybe for you, Jesus is your hope. He is your king. He is your savior. And your heart's desire is for the world to know who he is. That this whole summer, this series has been about God's love to us that now can flow through us so that we can let this community know that they are loved. It's not just our love. Like, we love you, and this is why we do love them. But it's not our love to give at first. It's God's love flowing through us. And this has kind of been the overarching theme as we've seen almost every week in 1 John Chapter 3, what love is and how it flows through us as the body of Christ. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But sometimes, again, we're not miscommunicating because you're wrong and you're so jacked up and you're so far from, from where... Sometimes it's just inadequate. Sometimes it's maybe just unclear. Or sometimes 
It's mistakenly communicating something that you don't intend to communicate. But make no mistake about it. All of our lives are communicating something. Um, miscommunication is, is, a, is, a, is a, a daily occurrence. And sometimes uh, mistakes, uh, excuse me, miscommunication could be a detriment uh, that you will never forget. Um, uh, we've been in our home down Garfield Road for uh, just about one year now. And um, we've never lived kind of in, in the country to the part where houses are not like right on top of each other. So we knew that coming in that we wanted to get to know our neighbors really well, um, even though they're a little more spread out. And we noticed that I think uh, the chaos of our home, like that we noticed right away that they think we're crazy. Um, so we were kind of starting from a negative, uh, especially from the fact that they're all, like every direction, they're, they're retired. And they're seasoned in life. Like there's, they have like hours of porch time, hours of thinking time, and the Arabs have zero porch time and zero thinking time, and it's just chaos. And my wife running a, a, a small business out of our home, there's always cars. They're probably thinking like, what is going on over there? The car's in and out all the time, or we have open house, we have... Uh, things where there's tons of people always at our house of wondering what's happening. I remember the conversations with my neighbors the first uh, several months that we moved in, wondering why is so why is their cars lined up all the way down the road like this? This is you guys live there, right? Like what, why do you have these people at your home? But one of the best things about getting to know my neighbors, especially that are in their retired years, is they know stuff. Like they know how to do stuff that I clearly do not know how to do. Um, literally, especially in the area of fixing things. And so I've got a, 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 a neighbor named next door named John. And he's actually becoming a really great friend of mine. Uh, old Italian guy. He's hilarious. He's always got a perspective on everything. He's got a pretty strong opinion on everything um, because I think that comes with the territory, right? Um, but he seems to know how to fix everything. So it's like almost like he's watching me at every moment. Like, and he sees me like a, an animal in distress when I'm out in the yard he knows that I'm like, I'm, I'm not using the right tool. Like, why are you using that? And so his constant response to me, John, is, is like, what are you doing? Like, that's always his thing. Remember like Tim the Toolman Taylor always had Wilson and you never saw his face? But it was like that same, it's the same idea. But for, for John, it's always this, here comes John. I'm like, I'm, not, I'm just mowing my grass. I'm like doing it wrong. But he comes over and he's like, what are you doing? You know, and he, in love, he shows me the right way to do it, and he's always got a million tools, and it's just a great, great, great relationship. Uh, neighbor across the street, uh, and so John, he's, a, he's in his probably mid-70s, and the neighbor across the street from him, his name is Gene. He is 87 years old. This man is incredible. He's amazing. He walks, like, more than I do in a day. He's unreal. He walks, like, he bounces when he walks. He's got his stick. He's, like, ready to go. He'll come, like... Random times. He's like, um, anyways, he comes over and, and we talk all the time and he's just got so much wisdom and knowledge. Now, I noticed that between them, they had some tension. John and Gene. And I just thought maybe it's because, like, he's in his 70s and his high 80s. Like, I mean, I, I, I'd be, yeah, I, I, I get that. Maybe there's something that happened. I was trying to figure it out. But one day, uh, just a few weeks ago, I, I figured out what the deal was. Um, as the three of us were there in my yard talking, and I noticed again the tension was there, and, and it came up. I don't know how, but it came up. That for them, like the, <laughs> the, the, what we've been talking about all summer, the conflict uh, of what had happened 20 years ago. 
<laughs> this is great. I mean, this isn't like the Hatfields and McCoys kind of conflict. This is pretty minor, but it's, it's almost humorous. Uh, from my perspective, uh, seeing this tension. So I heard that it didn't take too long in the conversation before they both tar- started telling the story of how um, <laughs> 20 years ago they were uh, hunting. And they were hunting for, for, or they were hunting rabbits. And one guy looks like Elmer Fudd, so then my mind kind of went to a whole other place. Um, but apparently they had, uh, they were ready, they went out and they had a plan. One guy was going to stay there and the other guy was going to go to another place. Or I'm not really sure how that works. I sound like an absolute moron because I don't hunt. Uh, but that's, that's apparently what happens. They're hunting for rabbit, right? And so miscommunication happened somewhere along the line when John came around. And he began to walk, excuse me, Gene came around, and he began to walk through the tall weeds towards Gene, or excuse me, towards John. And John sees the movement, and he shoots. And he shoots one of the, the, the pellets that, that, like, there's several of them that go. Okay, there are five BBs lodged in the growing area of my neighbor for 20 years. <laughs> That's horrible. Why am I laughing? <laughs> and they're chuckling, but there's some tension. But I mean, like, they're kind of like, ah, remember that time he shot me in the midsection? Yeah, I do. And like, there's this, like, all of a sudden there's this, <laughs> this tension of like, how this happened and whose fault it was. Nonetheless, the, the, the core of it was miscommunication. <laughs> awesome. The best story ever. And I knew immediately I'm going to use this as a sermon illustration. I just need to, like, plug that in right away. And I told them right out front, like, this is going to happen. Um, Our lives are communicating something. Let's not miscommunicate. This summer has been an opportunity for us in your lives, um, you in your life, in your home, to serve, to be on mission to your family, to your community, your street. And then as a church, you've had this opportunity to communicate God's love to the city. So this is today's Frisbee phrase, if you're writing this down. Relationship is communicating to the world who God is to you. Relationship. So every week we've hit relationship. This is, relationship is the thing that God has given us with one another, whether spouse, neighbor, friend, coworker, relationship is the way of you communicating to the world who God is to you. We claim that we know Jesus. We claim that He has set us free. We claim that we are forgiven. We claim that He is our God, but yet sometimes there's a disconnect between how we live and how we treat one another and the relationships that we have in our lives. And in the context of all of the places that we've been this summer, this is a difficult one to end on without including the other ones. The other ones are online that you can connect them a little bit better. And this morning's quite a bit brief because we have some people that are going to come up here and share some things. But as we go into this even further, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 21. As we explore what we're communicating, ultimately is not the communication between 
person one and person two. It starts between what God has already communicated to you. God loves you. God has made a way for you to be forgiven through the cross, through Jesus. And now we get this opportunity to share that and to be, as, as Quint pointed out and as we sang together, that we are broken vessels, but we are communicating that this is God's light in us to you. So Matthew chapter 21 and verse 28. This is a story the parable that Jesus tells about two sons. Now, this is not the prodigal son story. This is a different story about these two sons. It says in verse 28, What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and he said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. So there's this place that the father has said, Go. Like, the harvest is ready. It's ready to be worked. I need you to go and do that. And he asks his son, he tells his son to go. And the son, the first son says, I will not. Sorry, Dad, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do that. And he walks away. But afterward, he changed his mind. And he ended up getting what he needed to go out to the vineyard to work. First he said no, and then he thought about it. He remembered his father's heart. He remembered the big picture. He remembered what's in the vineyard. And he remembered that he was called on mission to go out and to do. Second son. Second son. Said the same, verse 30. And he answered, I will go, sir. But he did not go. Second son, will you go out in the vineyard and work today? Yeah, Dad, sure thing. I'm on it. I'm going to get ready to go. I'm going to go out to work in the field. I'm going to go on mission. The conversation's done. And he fades into the background. And he does not go. This is a simple parable. And Jesus asks, which one... Of these two sons did the father's will. And of course, they said the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, those that have been crooks and have been stealing money, like, like they did something. Watch what they did. And the prostitutes, the ones that have, that have, that have hoarded their body for, for financial gain and for the pleasure of someone else, that these crooks and these whores, they go into the kingdom of God before you. They literally understand this. They get this. In verse 32, For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe them. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. You see, God the Father is asking us to go into the city, to go into the vineyard, to go into the workplace, to go into your living room, to go to where your people are and to share God's glory and your joy for their behalf. This is the whole idea of the entire summer is that we would take what God has done to us and we would now share it with them. This is an easy principle to get, but it's so hard to live. Are you with me? The Holy Spirit has given us the power to live that way. He's given us the strength. 
He's renewed our mind. And as we saw last week, we renew our mind. We have the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ. And as we've seen the last several weeks, that we are given this ministry of reconciliation. Not just reconciliation with, with each other and our relationships, but reconciliation with God, the Father. And it's this beautiful opportunity for us to live. This is why we do events like I Am Loved. This is why we give so much as a church. This is why we believe, no matter how broken this city and how broken this region is, we are going out into the vineyard. We are not a church that's meant to just gather and hear. We are a church that's repowering, refueling, recharging, so that you can now live the rest of your week, the rest of your moments, being on mission. You're communicating to the world who God is to you. How are you communicating? How are you communicating? Jesus decides to use over and over again this relationship of a father and a son. And this is a difficult one for a lot of people. It certainly was even for Jesus. And this understanding that he wants us to know the picture of how God feels about us, what God thinks of us, and what our legal standing is before God. I grew up in a pretty conservative uh, church and a pretty conservative mentality. And, and I was always taught and we, to, to memorize. To, I felt like this verse was so prevalent in our, in, our, in our teaching was that love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And somehow, this beautiful verse that was filled with mission was turned to a way of a context that you should create this bubble of safety, of security. And the more I've read the word, and the more I actually look at what Jesus did, I see that it's like, burst the bubble, get in the world. Don't be of the world, is what it's talking about. But get in the world and love this community. Love the city. Like, yeah, you're, you're called into the darkness to be a light. The idea is that for us to just gather as lights together, what does that do? You see, a life of following Jesus is not a life to just come into a building and to worship with the rest of the body. A call to follow Jesus is a call into the world to spend the time, to spend the capital, to spend the energy on the people like Jesus spent time and energy on. And here he's saying that even the prostitutes, even the crooks and the tax collectors, they got this. And they will be great in the kingdom of God for eternity because they understood grace. They didn't justify their living, but they understood that grace, what Christ was giving them, that Messiah had brought to them, has set them free. So the point of this passage is for us to communicate to God, first and foremost, what our intentions are with our life. He's asking us to go. He's asking us to be on mission. Will you say, I will go, 
And will you actually go? Will you actually live? Or will we be like it's so easy to be, to gather in a church like this and to sing, like, I will be your vessel. I love you, Lord. I'm all in. Like, this is great. And then we leave and we don't go to the vineyard. And each one of you are called to a different area of the vineyard of the life that you've been placed. The relationships that you have, because again, relationship is communicating to the world who God is to you and who you are to God. A father's relationship with the son is unchanging. Even when the son that didn't go, like the, he's given the idea that you're both my sons. So my, my question for you this morning is, who is God to you? And I can just say it as gently as possible. Jesus loves you. If you're here today for maybe the first time, maybe you're here because of one of the I Am Loved events, or maybe you're here because somebody dragged you here, understand that, that like, they're in the same boat as you were in the fact that like, our sin has separated us from a holy God. And when we recognize that, it's, it's kind of eye-opening, and it's to the point, it's, it's almost... It's fearful. God is holy. But Jesus has brought us near because of what he did. He's made a way for us to be with God. And my challenge to, do, to, to you today is before you leave, like the question is, who is God to you? Maybe today is the day where you simply, by faith, by trust, tell the Father, I will go into the vineyard by you saying, I believe in you, Jesus. I trust in you, Jesus. I see the big picture of what the vineyard is in this world and how you've come to save us, to come to reconcile us to a holy God and receive him by faith and to follow him on mission to love the world, to love the people in the world because he's crazy about us. I have a friend that lived next door to us and uh, he, uh, he works at the Lynn Funeral Home, and um, they're just a, an incredible family. And they, uh, I learned this last year. I spoke at the Jamestown High School Baccalaureate, and I remember standing up there, and I, and I look back, and I see the most proper, like, c- like civilized, just upstanding guy I've, I've known for years sitting in the crowd, and he's got this pink bow tie on. I'm like, what is that? And so, afterwards, I go up and, and we talk and, and <laughs> I love it because the, the example is, is perfect. That, that he says, the reason I wear a pink bow tie and I have the entire time that my daughter, who that was, she was a part of the, the graduating class at the baccalaureate, Everything that she's had, event-wise, like whether it was a dance recital, whether it was a sports game, no matter what it was, he would wear a pink bow tie or some type of pink outfit to communicate to her his love, to communicate to her his support. This was a beautiful thing, like regardless of how great of a job she did on stage or how great of a job she did on the field, it was him saying to her, I love you. It was him saying to her, I'm with you. And so I asked permission 
to share this story. And, and I just want to read to you the, the message she wrote me. She says, uh, she says hey there, um, you can absolutely use that story. And, and yep, you got it right. She says, uh, with work at the funeral home, he always, he's always in boring suits and ties. And I, and I mentioned it when I was a little girl. And ever since, he's made sure to wear either a pink button-down or a pink bow tie to my things to show his love and support. I think it's also a daddy's here for you now, not just dressed up for work. Daddy's here for you now, not just dressed up for work kind of thing. This is coincidental, she says, that you asked me that this was yesterday. Because today, like this very day, they're taking me to college tomorrow. And I'm sure he'll be wearing a pink bow tie to church. And in the morning, and a pink golf shirt when we move me in on Monday. That's a beautiful picture of what God is doing to us. So much of the religious world is caught up in this like, yeah, like, yes, God is holy and that man has sinned. Like, we have separated ourselves. We have stiff-armed ourselves from God. But you got to understand that the cross, in all respective context, the cross is God's pink bow tie. That the cross has made him say, communicate with his life and death and resurrection that I'm here for you and that I love you, and that I've made a way for you to be with me. Intimacy can happen. Peace can happen. Conflict resolution is happening. And I am communicating loud and clear with my life and my bow tie that I've made a way for you to be forgiven. Today, you, do you hear me? Am I communicating? I pray that I'm communicating loud and clear that he's made a way for you to be with him through the cross. And the community needs to know that. The city needs to know that. Our lives are changed by that power. Relationship is communicating to the world who God is to you. I want to use the remainder of our time today for you to hear from a few other people. Um, this summer has been an amazing opportunity for us to go out in this ridiculous food truck and to give out thousands of, of snow cones and thousands of, of hot dogs and french fries in these events through I Am Love, through, through different city parks and different regions of the city, and that, that each area of the city to be reached and that, uh, to the best of our ability and to every resource that we can throw at and every part of our life being offered that we're communicating to this city who God is to us. And so as they come up, I'm going to ask you to watch this quick video.